The following was recorded in March 2019 at the Endocrine Society's annual meeting in New Orleans. Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr. And I'm Caitlin Onderchuk. And this is the Endocrine News Podcast. talking about hypoglycemia in older adults with type 1 diabetes. We're joined by Dr. Anders Carlson, Medical Director of the International Diabetes Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Carlson. Thank you for having me. Your endo presentation is titled, Exposure to Hypoglycemia in Older Adults with Type 1 Diabetes, Baseline Characteristics Using Continuous Glucose Monitoring Data. Now, before we dive into your research, Let's first talk about hypoglycemia and what are the risks associated with this condition. Hypoglycemia is when the blood glucose drops to a low level, uh, lower than the body is usually accustomed to. And in some cases, it can be dangerously low, requiring urgent attention. Most groups now have agreed that we define hypoglycemia by a blood glucose of less than 70 milligrams per deciliter and very low glucose, one that is clinically significant and requires uh, immediate attention as a glucose less than 54 milligrams per deciliter. The risks of hypoglycemia are numerous. It can lead to altered consciousness, uh, confusion, stupor, and in severe cases can lead to coma and even death. And that can happen very, very quickly in some cases. So for people who are, you know, driving a car or doing something that could be potentially dangerous to have a low blood glucose uh, or hypoglycemia episode can be very dangerous. So your study touches upon impaired hypoglycemia awareness. How do you define that and how prevalent is this among patients with type 1 diabetes? Hypoglycemia unawareness or impaired awareness of hypoglycemia is quite common, particularly in the group we studied here, which is an older population with type 1 diabetes. So there are some risk factors for it. Um, certainly, the longer you have diabetes, the higher your risk for hypoglycemia unawareness is. And essentially, what that is, is it's a loss or a blunting of the body's ability to respond to low glucose in the bloodstream. So someone with intact awareness at a blood glucose of around 70 or so will start to feel things like shakiness, hunger, maybe a little bit of sweating, and the body will be prompting that individual to seek out something to eat to restore the glucose up higher. For someone who's unaware, they lose those sensations or they're quite blunted, and so the glucose can drop even further down into a more dangerous zone before they even feel it or they might not even feel uh, the low glucose at all. That sounds pretty scary. Your study touches on a, a very important question, and that's how much time do older adults with type 1 diabetes spend in the hypoglycemic range? So tell us, what did you find, and, and how did you get there? Sure. So our study uh, looked at 203 individuals over age 60 and older who had an A1C less than 10%, uh, and we found that um, looking at between 10 to 21 days of CGM data, they spent about 5% of their time with a glucose less than 70, which translates into about 72 minutes per day in what is considered a hypoglycemic range. 
So more than an hour a day in the hypoglycemic range seems like a pretty scary uh, situation. It's good to know, certainly, but what do we do now? Well, I think this helps lay the groundwork for further studies. Uh, historically, older adults with uh, living with type 1 diabetes haven't been included in many of the studies done both with uh, CGM or continuous glucose monitoring or insulin pumps. And up until recently, that technology hasn't really been available to them um, in routine clinical practice. So I think what we can glean from this is that adults 60 and over do spend a fair amount of time above the recommendation uh, for keeping hypoglycemia at a minimum. Now that we have continuous glucose monitoring and we can use it more widely in clinical practice, I think this study highlights the need for us to better understand hypoglycemia in this population. And let me just add that in a population of older adults who have lived a long time with type 1 diabetes, not only are they at higher risk of hypoglycemia unawareness, but the consequences of hypoglycemia in this group can be very dangerous. For instance, uh, hypoglycemia is associated with irregular heart rhythms, and if that happens in an older individual predisposed to cardiovascular disease, that could in some cases be fatal. And uh, hypoglycemia can even prompt falls or loss of consciousness, which someone who perhaps is uh, at risk for fracture or has osteoporosis could result in a hip fracture or even other severe fractures. So it certainly highlights the need that we need to address hypoglycemia in this group. You know, in light of the unawareness, it seems like CGMs would be really important in this patient population. Do we know how many are currently using CGMs, and is that number enough? <laughs> Well, the current estimate is about 30% of adults over age 50 are using continuous glucose monitoring, uh, and that's based on data coming from our T1D exchange. Um, so certainly it's not everyone. In fact, it's not the majority. Um, and I think, you know, if we really want to implement this to help people minimize their time in hypoglycemia and maximize their time in target range, we need to do a better job of not only teaching patients how to use these devices, but also other clinicians and, and healthcare workers about their utility and, and what they can and can't do uh, and how we can take the data and actually use it. Um, these devices put out a tremendous amount of data. If they're checking your glucose every five minutes around the clock, that's a lot of data points. Uh, but unless we have methods and strategies in place to actually look at the data, interpret it, and make a reasonable action plan, we're sort of at a loss of what to do with all that information. Yes, so how should healthcare providers and patients and caregivers for these patients act on this information? Well, I would encourage patients to use this, use CGM technology sort of in, in real time to help them make different decisions or check their glucose before driving, for instance, um, and really just rely on this data to help them guide their day-to-day -day lifestyle. There are a lot of different strategies that these CGM devices can use in terms of what the patient sees and whether or not they can share the data with friends or family or how they may download it to their smartphone or to a cloud-based app or so on. So I think you know, patients need to find the system that appeals to their needs and their, their lifestyle uh, the best. But also I, I would encourage 
clinicians to really learn about the different systems. It's a complicated field, and there's a lot of different moving parts, and things are constantly changing, so it's a little difficult to stay on top of if you're not doing it every day. So I would encourage you know, clinicians, and more and more we're trying to involve primary care in this as well because they do see a lot of patients with diabetes, to look at how we download, review, interpret, and then make reasonable action plans based off of that CGM data. I think going forward, this type of technology has the potential to really transform how we deliver care for diabetes. Currently, in a lot of practices, patients come in once every three months, maybe every six months. Between those visits, the clinician isn't really looking at any glucose data or assisting that patient in making any treatment decisions. The, the patient is sort of left on their own in a lot of ways to make those decisions. And a lot of that is, is lack of time on the part of the clinicians, but it's also how we've structured the system and it's a lack of reimbursement. So I think you're going to see that these um, CGM devices have the opportunity to transform how we do in-between visit care and hopefully lead to some changes from other stakeholders and some reimbursement for that work so that we can you know, stay on top of things better than, than we are currently doing. So I know that this is really just the beginning of the research. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the future of your research plans and, and maybe a sneak preview of any results that you have? Sure. So these are the baseline data for the WISDOM trial, which is the wireless innovation in seniors with diabetes mellitus. And that's a randomized controlled trial, six months long, randomizing patients to either CGM use to manage their diabetes or routine finger stick blood glucose and comparing all the different CGM metrics we can take against, uh, certainly in the treatment group, and then using blinded CGM in the uh, finger stick group and comparing the two. And the full results of the, of the clinical trial should be reported by the end of this year. Thank you very much for sharing your research with us today. I've learned a lot, and I think our audience will really appreciate hearing about your studies. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Endocrine News Podcast. To learn more, visit www.endocrine.org podcast. There you can find this episode and some helpful links. You can subscribe to Endocrine News Podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes. And if there's a topic you'd like to see us cover on the podcast, let us know by emailing us at podcast at endocrine.org. Thanks again for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.